0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to this week's episode of Unfit to Print. I'm your host, Amber Athey. I'm the Washington editor for The Spectator and a senior Blankley fellow with the Steamboat Institute. Before we get started, please make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on Rumble, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. And if you'd like to become a premium subscriber, head on over to amberathe.supercast.com. As a reminder, I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but my new radio show will be premiering on WCBM on Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour-long weekly show. It was actually supposed to premiere last weekend, but we had a couple of technical difficulties because I'm doing the show remotely. So the very first episode will be this Sunday. So don't fear, you did not miss it. It's also called Unfit to Print. And again, it's on WCBM out of Baltimore. It's an AM radio station, 860. But you can also listen live at wcbm.com. I also apologize. I missed another week of the podcast. Really sorry about that. The past two weeks have once again been insanely busy. And one of the reasons is I actually just got engaged. Big news. Um, Obviously, I'm super excited. And uh, yeah, my fiance now, then boyfriend, and I went down to Stanton, Virginia for the weekend which is where we had our first big trip together and got engaged. So uh, starting the wedding planning process and uh, just really thrilled to be taking this next step in our relationship. So we were enjoying, um, you know, the aftermath of the engagement. And then I was actually down in Miami, Florida this past weekend for the National Conservatism Conference hosted by the Edmund Burke Foundation. And I gave a speech on a media and culture panel alongside Emily Drasinski, Dave Reboy, and Christina Pushaw. And it was just an awesome panel. Um, Christina and I both covered media and basically how to fight back against the left-wing media machine. Dave and Emily talked about culture and the panel was moderated by Libby Emmons from The Post Millennial. What I really liked about NatCon was that it felt really sincere and felt like everyone was kind of there for the right reasons, if that makes sense. There was a lot of talk about ideas and policy, and it didn't feel like the speakers were just trying to throw out red meat to the base, like they were just saying what we wanted to hear. It really seemed like There were a lot of great discussions going on about what the future of conservatism looks like, what principles are important to us, and perhaps most importantly, how we can utilize those principles and use our ideas to actually fight back against the left and wokeness and progressivism and all of the crazy economic things that are happening in our country right now. So it was a really great time. Um, There was one little downside, and that's that there were several mainstream media reporters there. During my speech or in the Q&A portion afterwards, um, I was talking about the fact that journalists are so out of touch with most of the average American people. And I said, you know, they're more likely to be childless, single, live in a coastal city, come from a wealthy family, and have attended an elite institution. And some New York Times reporter, I don't remember his name, came up to me afterwards. And was all upset, um, saying that I had given an inaccurate inaccurate caricature of journalists and that all the journalists he knows are married and have kids. And then he started grilling me about my personal life and was like, are you married? Do you have kids? And it was just really bizarre. But also, Jonathan Chait from New York Magazine was there, and (laughs) Jonathan Chait basically became the punching bag for the entire conference, and it was just beautiful. This man, who I refer to as Goblin-esque in my speech, was just lurking around the conference with his little computer, sitting in the corner, not talking to anybody, and clearly just looking for a little gotcha things that he could tweet out. During Governor Ron DeSantis' speech um, uh, on Sunday night during the keynote dinner, uh, he talked about... The fact that he was right about the inefficacy of the vaccines um, in the sense that the vaccines don't prevent the spread of the virus. They don't prevent you from getting the virus. And Jonathan Chait sent out this totally dishonest tweet claiming that DeSantis was courting the anti-vaxxers. He immediately got ratioed. Afterwards, my friend uh, Julio Rosas from Town Hall actually approached Jonathan Chait and called him out for his bullshit um, he was called out by Dave Reboy, ahead head of our panel on media and culture, which he was in the room for. And I called him out in my speech. I think Dave called him a piece of shit, which was pretty hilarious. And then Matthew Peterson called him out during his panel on Catholicism and said that he you know, is a liberal hack. So this guy just got the brunt of pretty much everyone's anger at the mainstream media at this conference. And it was pretty great to see people finally stand up for themselves in person for once because these journalists, you know, they hide behind a keyboard, they say awful things about people, they lie about people, they try to cancel people, and they think they can get away with it because they never actually see any of these people in person. So for once, finally, we were able to tell this guy to his face exactly what we think about him and exactly how most of the world views him. So... uh... Poor Jonathan Shate, he probably is like sobbing in his pillow right now. He got pretty beat up, but it was very satisfying for the rest of us. Anyway, on to the big news story of the week. Governor Ron DeSantis sent a couple of planefuls of illegal aliens up to Martha's Vineyard, and the left and residents of Martha's Vineyard are having just an absolutely glorious meltdown. Um, No clam chowder for illegal aliens, They're not allowed to go bike riding with the Obamas. Don't make use of our beaches. These people clearly do not want to put their money where their mouth is. Martha's Vineyard is a sanctuary city, which means if illegal aliens get caught committing a crime there, the local jails and police are not allowed to contact ICE. So ICE is not allowed to come in and cooperate with local police to start the deportation process for illegal aliens who commit crimes. Um, So these people end up getting released back into the community. And in so many cases, they end up going on to commit more crimes and usually worse crimes. Such was the case um, in the Kate Steinle murder where the individual had been deported multiple times but was able to somehow keep coming back because um, he was living in a sanctuary city and it would um, basically take a long time for ICE to be able to catch him. And put him out of the country. And there's been several other cases where illegal immigrants have been released from jails, got back into the community, and ended up killing or harming someone. Um, because these liberals seem to think that um, you know, if you just release people, somehow they're going to be so happy with you, they're going to feel the compassion, and they're just going to decide not to commit crimes anymore. Um, so that's not how criminals operate, obviously. And if these people were already willing to commit the crime of crossing the border illegally, it's not a very good sign that they are going to start obeying laws once they're in the United States. So DeSantis sent about 50 migrants up to Martha's Vineyard. And this has been something that Florida has been doing and Texas has been doing to really force the people who vote for policies that enable open borders, who vote for prosecutors that don't crack down on violent crime, who vote for Democrats that believe in uh, laissez-faire border enforcement, and voted for Biden and his administration, you know, his administration that has undone so many of the effective Trump border enforcement policies, to say, you know, these communities have to take care of these people. If you're going to vote for the policies that allow them to come here in droves that allow record numbers of illegal immigrants, you know, hundreds of thousands just over the period of a month or two to come into the US, then you guys have to take care of them. You're responsible. You're on the hook. You have to pay the money. You have to put up the shelter. You have to feed them. You have to give them jobs because that's what you, that's what you are agreeing to do. You know, if you say, Okay, these people can come over here. The U.S. can take care of them. We're a compassionate country. Okay, then step up. Walk the walk. Talk the talk. You know, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. So it turns out, though, that when these communities actually get a group of illegal aliens, they don't like it so much anymore because they want somebody else to pony up. For the policies that they vote for. They don't want any of the negative consequences. They just want the ability to say, oh, I'm such a good person because I you know, voted for the illegals to come here because they're just searching for a better life. They just want to get good jobs. They want to get out of the crime that's going on in Central and South America. But uh, uh, no, I'm not going to be the one that actually takes care of them. That can fall on Texas and Arizona and, and, and everybody else. So Martha's Vineyard gets fifty migrants, just fifty, from Governor Ron DeSantis, and the whole island goes into total crisis mode. They actually sent out a press release uh, from the official uh, public information officer. Her name is Heather Arpin, and it's incredible this press release. It has "for immediate release" at the top in huge letters. And it says that this is a humanitarian crisis, just 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. So the press release says that two emergency shelters have been established with additional space available in case further arrivals occur. We have reached out to our state and federal partners for additional and long-term support and assistance. All activated local emergency management will remain in effect as we learn more and anticipate our state partners coordinated response. So that's just for 50 people. Now imagine if you live in Texas or an Arizona border town and you are seeing tens of thousands of people come across the border every day. So Martha's Vineyard has to mobilize federal and state backup. Basically the entire community was showing up at this church to bring food and supplies for a fraction, a portion of the normal amount of illegal aliens that cross over every single day in the southern border towns. There were actually several local politicians with Martha's Vineyard who were kind of bragging about their response, saying, oh, you know, we are so much better than the Republicans because we're gonna take care of these people and we're so welcoming and we got this. And uh, again, okay, you got 50. If that's the case and you can handle 50, then i'm sure you wouldn't mind taking about, you know, 50,000 more. Why not, right? You guys have it all under control. It'll be perfectly fine if we just keep sending all of the illegal aliens up to Martha's Vineyard. It really is interesting to see how quickly they realized just how much of a problem this this is. So, again, at first they were saying, "We got this. We have all the resources." But then the residents of Martha's Vineyard started to express concerns. And there is a thread on Twitter from Aiden Kearney, who is from Turtle Boy Sports, and he is in some of the Facebook groups on Martha's Vineyard. And the comments between these white, wealthy liberals. It's just hilarious. So some of them are complaining that there's a housing shortage on the island and they're not going to be able to find permanent housing for the migrants. One person asked, what else do they need? And another guy replied, they need housing. You have two summer rentals. <laughs> and the the comments really go on. Um, one person was complaining that... He dumped the that DeSantis dumped the migrants in Martha's Vineyard instead of Boston, and you know none of them are offering up their own homes. They just keep saying, "Oh, we'll give clothing, we'll give you know food." But interestingly, none of them have said, "Oh yeah, come stay in our seaside mansion. We have plenty of room. You know, ten bedroom, nice multi million dollar mansion. Why can't the illegal aliens just?" Come stay with you. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, right? Most of the people on Martha's Vineyard leave for the summer anyway. So you got a period of six to seven months where these homes are sitting empty. So if these people want to say, you know, no human being is illegal, all immigrants are welcome here, we take refugees, put them in your own home, right? It shouldn't really be that difficult. I think that on Martha's Vineyard, you should have plenty of space Plenty of resources, considering it's one of the wealthiest towns in the entire country to take care of 50, let alone thousands, of illegal aliens. The other things they started to say when they realized that the illegal aliens were actually on their front lawn was, Oh, this is so cruel. This is so inhumane. DeSantis is using humans as political props. What, what exactly is inhumane about sending people to a beautiful beach town, a literal island of paradise with so much money they don't know what to do with it? Most of the people don't even live there full time. These are vacation homes. They've got the ocean, they've got the beach, they got the lobster boils and the crab shacks and the clam chowder, the Obamas are off riding their bikes around, people are playing volleyball and croquet. I would think that that would be one of the first places you would want to go if you had crossed illegally into the US. Isn't that a whole lot better than staying in a Health and Human Services detention facility? That sounds pretty humane and compassionate to me. Oh, you just crossed illegally into the U.S. Here's a free ticket to oh one of the nicest places in the whole country. That's a good deal. I'm not an illegal immigrant, but I might give up my U.S. citizenship if it means I get an all expenses paid vacation to Martha's Vineyard. That sounds pretty nice. I've never been to Martha's Vineyard. I think I would like to go. So, you know, if there's any leftover money, Governor DeSantis, you've got a willing participant in your whole program. Right here. I don't really know what else the illegal immigrants have to worry about that would make this inhumane for them to be on Martha's Vineyard. I mean, Ted Kennedy died in 2009, so it's not like they're going to get in the wrong car and be driven into the Chappaquiddick. Bill Clinton hasn't been up there in ages. He's too old to travel. I mean, I don't think the Clintons really hang out there anymore. Their place is in upstate New York, so they're not going to run into Hillary traipsing through the woods drunk on Chardonnay. Alan Dershowitz has been effectively socially banned from the island, so it's not like they're going to run into an Epstein associate. I mean, yeah, the Obamas are around, but I mean, the worst thing that'll happen there is you'll get hit by Barack's kite or something. Seems like a pretty good deal to be shipped to Martha's Vineyard. I don't know. Just my opinion. Several people have been claiming on Twitter, um, particularly politicians, that this amounts to human trafficking, what Governor DeSantis is doing. They claim that these migrants were lied to, that they were told they would get work visas, that they'd be going to Boston. But Bill Malugin from Fox has done reporting on this, and he has indicated that when these migrants get on these planes or these buses to go to other parts of the country... Not only are many of them quite grateful, actually, for the free ride, but they sign a form. They sign a, a waiver that tells them exactly which part of the country they're going to. They get to pick where they go, and they're told that they're going to get free transportation. So they're signing this. They're not being trafficked. They're not being smuggled. They're not being kidnapped. California Governor Gavin Newsom was actually one of the individuals who accused DeSantis of human trafficking, and DeSantis responded like this. So... Uh, The governor of California um, sent a letter to the Department of Justice saying, you need to prosecute Texas and Florida governors. And all I can say is, um, I think his hair gel is interfering with his brain function. (laughs) It really is incredible how quickly the people who have the signs in their yard that say things like, in this home, we believe no human being is legal, start packing up that ideology as soon as the people actually land in their own backyard. I mean, you could pa- practically see the old women with their sundresses and their straw hats on running through the, the town yelling, get off my lawn. And again, all this for only 50 migrants. Within 24 hours after giving them a little bit of food and shelter, what did these people do? Oh yeah, they called in the National Guard. And not only that, but they called in enough National Guard members where they had two and a half for every migrant. They called in 125 National Guard members for just 50 migrants. And after the National Guard came in, what did they do? Oh yeah, they were packing up the migrants onto buses and setting them off so that they could become somebody else's problem. Here's a video of the migrants boarding the buses on Friday morning. That's it. You've enjoyed enough of the wealthy, white, liberal paradise. Time to load up and get on out, guys. We're not taking care of you anymore. John Hayward from Breitbart, I think, summed it up perfectly when he said, that at first the claim was that sending these migrants to Martha's Vineyard was like the Holocaust. Then the liberals were all laughing, saying, yes, we get to show the Republicans how it's done. We're going to take care of these legals, and y'all are going to be eating your words. Then all of a sudden they were demanding emergency assistance. Then they were demanding the migrants get off their island, and then they were calling the National Guard, all in less than 24 hours. That's the only amount of time that they were able to handle just a fraction of the crisis that border towns deal with every single day. Will they think twice before they support policies like this in the future? Eh, Probably not. These people aren't really quite that bright, but I just think it's fascinating to see how quickly these people's entire worldview crumbles when you actually make them deal with the consequences of their actions. NBC News reported an article out about immigration activists complaining about this so-called political ploy and political stunt by DeSantis to send these migrants to Martha's Vineyard. And one founding member of a foundation which helps refugees said, quote, it's like me taking my trash out and just driving to different areas where I live and just throwing my trash there. So now we're comparing illegal immigrants to trash we went from republicans are so cruel using these people as pawns to oh yeah it's totally just like throwing out a bag of trash (laughs) i mean these people are really revealing themselves for exactly what they are and it's not limited to martha's vineyard people have had the same reaction in these major cities that have received again just a fraction of the immigrants that the border towns get on a daily basis A D.C. city council member uh, claimed that sending in just a few dozen migrants to D.C. had turned them into a border town. Here's that clip. So it's been said, but it's worth reiterating, that the governors of Texas and Arizona have created this crisis. And the federal government has not stepped up to assist the District of Columbia. So we, um, along with our regional partners, will do what we've always done. We'll rise to the occasion. We've learned from border towns, like El Paso and Brownsville. Um, And in many ways, the governors of Texas and Arizona have turned us into a border town. We don't know how long this will take to resolve. We don't know how long they will continue busing. And so the right thing to do here is to be prepared to ensure we can greet every bus, we can get people off on the right foot, we can get them where they want to go, and that will ultimately help them in their immigration process. You have New York City Mayor Eric Adams claiming that the migrants he received, which were only, I think, uh, about 100 or so in a town of you know tens of millions, were a real burden on the city. Here's that. This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our, uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented, uh, translation services. There's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce and that's why we need, we need help in getting this done and we need to write coordination to make it happen. And finally, you had Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot accusing Texas Governor Greg Abbott of being a man without morals. Here's that clip. Let me say it loud and clear to Greg Abbott and his enablers in Texas. With these continued political stunts, Governor Abbott has confirmed what, unfortunately, many of us uh, had already known, that he is a man without any morals, humanity, or shame. Instead of treating these individuals with respect that they deserve, the due process that our laws require, Governor Abbott chose instead to humanely, inhumanely, load them onto buses, send them on a more than 12-hour journey across a country that they don't know, and to drop them off without any regard for what the next steps are. It really is amazing, too, how all of these people somehow think it's more compassionate to stuff these people into border towns than it is to disincentivize the border crossing in the first place, because these are people who go through really treacherous conditions. A lot of them are raped. A lot of them die. A lot of them become very sick or injured. They give money to coyotes and drug smugglers who take advantage of them and don't give a shit about them. And somehow we're supposed to believe that, you know, telling people that they can, uh, come close to drowning, crossing the Rio Grande is somehow better than just enforcing the border and telling them not to come here in the first place. Their idea of compassionate, Is so skewed and warped, it's actually sickening. And so I encourage DeSantis, Abbott, whoever, to keep doing this. I heard that the next stop might be Palm Beach or Malibu. So I guess those places better uh, gear up and get ready for their own influx of migrants because these border towns are not taking it anymore. And governors are showing exactly what's going to happen if Biden doesn't step up to the plate and increase border enforcement. That's it for this week's episode of Unfit to Print. As always, thank you guys for watching. Please subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or become a premium subscriber at amberathe.supercast.com. Thanks and see you next week.